we've had a normal podcast for 30 something years but hated green rooms until today and now we're gonna talk about our green room movies over here today oh yes the green room it's where we talk about marvel stuff that isn't marvelously about comic books in the green room welcome to the green room Welcome to the Green Room. This is a special episode where Danny and I are going to talk about the movies that we gave each other in the uh, weeks prior episode. The uh, movies we gave each other, I gave Tyler Wolf Walkers, which you can watch on Apple TV+. It's literally the only reason I have Apple TV+, until earlier today when I found out they're getting a pro shot of Come From Away. Alright, and then I got uh, Three Kings, which I watched on HBO Max, uh, which Tyler gave me. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, Wolfwalkers would be more relevant to uh, our most recent podcast episode we talked about releasing the... as we talked about the Oscars. Yeah, and Wolfwalkers, so, yeah. I want to put, before we get into it, Wolfwalkers, although it didn't really win any like major awards, it nearly swept the critics for animated mm-hmm. film. Uh, Pixar kind of has like a machine, like... Disney more than Pixar, but it is Pixar has kind of like a grasp on the mainstream animation awards, no matter what. Uh, so Wolfwalkers never stood a chance there. But critically, Wolfwalkers won so many best animated feature awards uh, mm-hmm. by critics groups, uh, and yeah. I would say it deserved them. Like I like Soul more, but Wolfwalkers is really great too. But yeah, you don't want to hear I've what I thought of... about Wolfwalkers. We're here to hear what Tyler heard about Wolfwalkers, and for me to argue <laughs> with him about it, or really more try to get him to dig into what he's talking about. So Tyler, Wolfwalkers. I've, so I've I've seen a lot of uh, you compared Soul and Wolfwalkers, and I I've seen a lot of discourse on on Twitter about um, people saying that Wolfwalkers is better than Soul, and then I'm I've also seen vice versa, um, and. One thing that Wolfwalkers stands out the most to me that I that I uh, noticed was the animation. It's so hand drawn, and it is so gorgeous. And but what's even better is how they use the hand drawn animation for the transitions. The transitions in this movie are fantastic. I and I've I've you're right. I've, you're like, right. I'm just like oh, oh yeah. my gosh. And <laughs> this this film this film like we. For for instance, um, wolves circle around in a circle, or they create a circle, and toward go to the center of the screen, and then we go into a uh, that transitions into a picture of the sky, and it's the sun. You know that circle yeah. of the wolves now becomes the sun, and like there's not only that, but I mean there's it's just transitions throughout. Like I was like I it honestly felt like i was looking through a gorgeous pic- yeah, like and, uh, picture book or you know not not a picture does, book because uh, i feel like also, that's discred- discrediting it but. no no you're you're right i, I would say it looks kind of like a tapestry at points uh you know like yeah a very yeah elaborate tapestry and that's what the i know you haven't seen the studios movies are all like this but i would say wolf walkers is their most well it makes sense this is their third third movie set in ireland their fourth movie overall uh this it's cartoon saloon uh, this is the first one that was picked up also by a major studio because Apple is much bigger than the indie studios that have distributed these before. Uh, mm-hmm. What I th- what stands out to me in the animation, besides what you said, there's one, well, first I want to say this. It does this really... I love aspect ratio ships uh, in movies in general. And Wolfwalkers does this crazy thing where the aspect ratio ships are animated. And, like, you can see that the, the aspect ratio isn't perfect. 
Like, there's, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's lines drawn into where the black bar would be. Uh, yeah. I love that. But, and then there's parts where, like, for example, it goes to a, this is me getting very nerdy, but I think you're going to know what I'm talking about. It goes into, like, a 4-3 aspect ratio when they're, like, mm-hmm. very tense. And then when they start yelling, the colors start to flare into, like, little extra lines out. And the yeah. aspect ratio becomes unstable. And I love it. It's so good. But then I also love, and this is more, the more obvious animation flair of it, is when it goes into, like, their wolf vision. And it's, like, just yeah. sketches. And it's it's incredible. I remember when I, mm-hmm. I, I, as I said last week on our podcast, I saw this twice in theaters. And I spent extra both times for it. And I think it was worth it. It is such a... Not $250 extra, uh, but, yeah. but a decent amount extra to get the premium experience of watching the theaters. And I, the running with the wolf scene, I just, my jaw was dropped the entire time, which is really mm-hmm. annoying because if you're trying to wear a mask, you got to fix your jaw uh, so yeah. it doesn't fall off. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking, of, speaking of that scene, the, the music that they use in, in this movie, the music, like... I was very disappointed. Yeah. This got no score notices. Very, very well. This got no. This got like no score notices. Pretty much anywhere. Which I get that mm. Soul has the more flashy score. I don't think we need yeah. to limit it to just two anime movies getting nominated for score. Uh, <laughs> uh, I especially considering the competition last year. You know, uh, I yeah. think this is a this is a gorgeous movie all around. I think uh, I said this. Be- I don't know if I said this on the podcast before. To me. My top two of last year are Sound of Metal and Soul, and they're very close to each other. But then right behind them is Wolfwalkers and Minari, and they're both very... Like, I can't pick between the two of them. Uh, yeah. And Wolfwalkers is just... I think the story is great, too. That's the thing. I have one issue with it, but I want to hear more what you have to say about it before I get into, like, my... I have yeah, one the, problem with the movie. The story, to me, kind of sat in... is It's sat in the back seat. Um... And really, it was the the animation that and the voice acting that did the driving for this for this film. Um, the The story was it it was it, to me it was an it was an okay story. Um, it's very but, uh, it's very uh, mythical and classical. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I I pers- I'm just saying for myself. I personally really like those types of movies. I mm-hmm. understand. I this is me. This is not me attacking you at all. This is just me saying that I know there's a lot of people out in the world to a marker movie down for being generic and i hate that because if a movie does its archetypes well it doesn't matter if i predicted it and i'm more thinking about coco there coco had a lot of criticism people like this is an original for pixar i'm like who cares this is like the most best like the best executed version of this type of story i've seen in such a long time and that's how i feel about Mm -hmm. wolfwalkers uh, even if yeah. you weren't super big on it, that, I'm just saying that's where I yeah. land. No, no, it, it it was well it was well executed. Um, we're supposed to uh, feel that the that the forest is alive. Yeah, and you definitely get that since the use of color in this in this film such a was beautiful well, movie <laughs> was well done. And uh, the to me the the theme is what really drove it home and it it is well it's more of a lens um it's more of imperialism because we do the in the the backdrop of this film is ireland being occupied by england yes and one of our main characters is irish and the other one is english um so so uh so we get the we just get the in the in the antagonist 
is very much it, like the embodiment of imperialism and uh and it's like i i wouldn't say you you say talking like you know people may criticize it as generic like for the plot but to me i wouldn't call it generic it's got a lot uh, of definitely was an animated movie that, especially when that's being yeah, marketed but, to children more than say soul exact exactly and that's that's my point is like you can't really call it generic when it brings up a theme that is as heavy of a topic as imperialism which is something that i wanted we'll we'll also talk about with the film that you watched which is much is based on much more recent events uh, you know real life events i think what's i yes we will I want to talk a bit more about yeah. Wolfwalker's brand of imperialism. Because the thing that's interesting about Wolfwalker's brand of imperialism is... Uh, so my parents... Weirdly, they've seen the one movie by the studio. It's so weird because, you know, I'm the person who brings indie movies to my parents. But they saw The Breadwinner, which is on Netflix. It's the one movie by the studio I haven't seen. It's the one movie that's not set in Ireland uh, that they've made. Uh, and, well, I was like, oh, this movie's so gorgeous. I think my parents would really love it. But I think I think there's a specific type of... I don't want to say riskiness, um, but when movies, or at least for my parents, because my parents, eh, we're going to talk about religion for a second, uh, but my parents, uh, we're, we're Christian, we're a Christian family, and my parents are always the type of people who, for example, when my dad saw Soul, he said he liked it as a parable, but he didn't like that it would possibly mislead people about the afterlife. Uh and so that's always something with my parents when I watch a movie with them. Like Coco, they also watch Life of Reservations. And my thing with Wolfwalkers is as much as I'd like to show it to them, I'm worried they would say that they they think it is anti-Christian, which I don't believe it is. It's anti-imperialism. Uh, and that yeah. Christian brand of imperialism. Well, not Christian brand. It's like, it's like Hunchback of Notre Dame, kind of. Hunchback of mm -hmm. Notre Dame, the villain is Christian. But it's because his ideals of Christianity are not necessarily well. They aren't. They aren't in line with what Christianity is, right? Yeah. And I well, think it's, it's very it's the abuse of the of that platform. Yeah. And you know, which is what imperialism imperialism really does is it's the abuse of a platform to ultimately reach and reach the goal in a very dulled down definition. For this particular movie, it it's needed because it's about uh, how Christianity viewed you know the other as inherently bad like native yeah. americans like we yeah. step, step, that's the one we know about because we're in america the settlers from england or like you know europe came to america and stomped out the native americans culture because it was era, it was considered pagan uh yeah and we don't like even like well pocahontas disney movie it's a bad movie let's be very clear bad movie yes. uh but i think usually I think even non-animated movies are afraid to tackle that because the uh, uh, subsection of Christianity in America today doesn't necessarily want to hear any form of criticism or talking about the past mistakes of it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I like that this movie does it. That's basically my point. I like that this movie does it and doesn't shy away from it. Because it's like, no, if we're going to tell the story truthfully, even if it's about basically werewolves, uh, we're going to tell it truthfully. And I like that it's also something where it's like to me, and even saying werewolves, right? That is me yeah. giving an American word to this. Uh, this is not a werewolf movie, even though I sold it to you as one. It's a wolf walker movie, which is its own type of folklore. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And which is which is very refreshing. Yeah. Too. Uh, yeah. And I like that it's a very honest version of that. It's like the honest tale of it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. What else would you want to say about the movie? You want to talk about the voice acting a bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. The voice acting was child actors. Like they're good. Go. The child actors in this film. That that's that's the thing. Is like the the challenge with animation is that you can make faces all you want in the studio, but they're not going to see it. You've got to be able to convince the audience with your voice that you are feeling these emotions. You know, the animators are going to, they're going to show the, what emotions the characters are supposed to feel, but it's the actor's job to convince, you know, through use of their voice. And it's outstanding. And I love that this movie doesn't use outside of Sean Bean, who I wouldn't claim is a big celebrity. There are no celebrity voice actors in this. can can I spoil spoil what that he lives through it? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that, that was the funny point about this is that Sean Bean lived through it, uh, which I think is pretty funny that that was like a big deal. Uh, I like Sean Bean in this though, but I do think the kids are the highlight. Kids are the absolute yes. best part of it. Yes. Uh, for the blankies, which is my award show I do at the end of the year. I gave bet. I do a lead in a supporting voice acting role because I think voice acting is always underrated by the industry, and I think it needs more recognition. I gave lead to Jamie Fox, but I uh, honor Neefsi, who plays the uh, the main girl, the the English one, was my support. Yeah. My my second place. I gave supporting though to the person who played Maeve, Avi, uh, Ava Whitaker. Uh, yeah, I think she's incredible in this. I, I think she's supporting. Uh, not that that really matters. We don't need to debate category placement for in a, a category that exists nowhere else besides my own award show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think the voice acting is great. And I, my one disappointment with the voice acting is something that you want to know about this movie, this studio, mm-hmm. is that up until this point, uh, their other two Irish movies have Brendan Gleeson in a role. And I kind of want him to be mm. in this, but I don't know who he would play. Maybe he'd play like the guy in the town who like goes to the stocks. Uh, that's the only role I could see him fit in, but I like that it's just the voice. Like actor. the farmer, the farmer. Yeah, like the farmer. Yeah, I could see Brendan yeah. Gleeson playing yeah, that role. Yeah, I could, I could see him in that. Um, but he also might I, be distracting because it's a small role. The person, the person who makes the who plays the antagonist, I thought did Simon a really McBurney, good. Simon McBurney, yeah, I, I, did a good, really, yeah. did a really good job. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Uh, I, I weirdly, I know I underrate the, even though I just kind of gushed about him, I kind of underrate the antagonist in this movie because I'm like. I'm more interested in the stuff with the wolves, right? I'm I'm more interested yeah. in this doesn't have an antagonist, personally. But yeah, mm. uh, I like it more when it's just the kids hanging out. Uh, the, yeah. the best scene in the movie is when they run with the wolves, right? Like, and that's yeah. actually I mentioned I mentioned I almost mentioned that briefly in the last episode. But I knew Drew hadn't seen Wolf Walkers. Is you know I was talking about how yeah. the Oscars spoiled clips. I w- they showed the running with the wolf scene during the Oscars, and I was like, ah, why would you do this right now? <laughs> like, right. this is such yeah. a nice... Well, it's not, like, I hate to be like, it's a spoiler, because I do think, in a way, the premise of the movie is the girl becomes a wolf walker. But it takes right. a long time for it to happen, which I like. It, d- it does, and and that's that's kind of where what my last point is, is that this movie does seem to drag its feet Um and until like the two char- the two uh main characters Maybe and, uh, meet. What's her name? Why can't I not remember her name? The main girl. What's her name? 
Yeah, I can't remember. Gee, I, got, I, I now I have I to just look watch. Up. I can't believe I can't. I just remember. watched. Oh, it it's today, Robin. It's Robin sad. Goodfellow. Yes, yeah, Robin. Because her last name's really yeah. Goodfellow. Robin Goodfellow. I gave her best yes. hero. I have a best hero award. I gave her best hero. Gotcha. Uh, Good. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, I was. I was kind of like at, at first. I was like, Danny, what? What did you give me to watch? And then the two characters meet, and when they meet, it's a lot like episode two of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Where <laughs> please, it's don't, like, please don't it, compare Wolf Walker. No, I, like, it's, this is the only way. Okay, this is the only yeah. way is that the sh- the the product starts to gel so yeah. much more when they when those chemistries come together. And then when uh, yeah, I agree. And then once the movie hits her actually becoming a wolf, uh, yeah, that's when you're like. Oh, this is what this movie's about. Cool. Like, I honestly wasn't expecting your. I didn't knew nothing about this movie going into it. Uh, so when she became a wolf, I was like, "Ooh, nice. This is a good way for the story to go." Uh, all right. Do you want to know my one issue with the movie? I have one problem with the movie. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and this is what keeps me from giving it a five out of five. Is in my opinion, the third act has so much payoff. It's a really well like, on in theory, it's a very well written uh, third act. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Things, everything pays off in a good way, but the issue is, is that the emotional payoffs are rushed through. Mm-hmm. Uh, like specifically, I think of the stuff between Robin and her dad. It happens. Yeah. They share a look, but then the movie has to move on. And I yeah. really wish those moments could linger a bit more because I think the yeah. pacing of the first two thirds of the movie is very deliberate, and then the third act—it's not rushed. Is it's just so normal pace, and the rest of the movie is kind of leisurely, and that's my issue with the third act. Uh, but I yeah. still think the movie is great, and it. But it's the thing is, it's it's more this. It's like I've seen this twice in theaters, and I, as I say, I like seeing movies in theaters because that's where I cry. I don't cry at home ever at a movie. Uh, even though actually, it's, it's you would know from this podcast, Wandavision's finale did get me a little teary-eyed. So good job, Wandavision again. Yeah, that's right. We can't go a single bonus episode of the show without me talking about Wandavision. Anyway, uh, I got a lot of chills in the third act, but I never and I felt, I felt like I might cry, but then the movie immediately moved on to some action. Yeah, and I was. I wanted the catharsis that I never got. Yeah. But I like the movie. Yeah, I I will I will say uh, that usually animation movies are very animated movies can be well okay animated movies that are geared towards children can be very predictable, but this film I I I was in the I was in the moment and I was tensing up at times because i'm it's like very I'm, tense the, i'm like i don't know if it, characters are going to make it to the next scene i don't the, you know the, i don't really know the beginning what's of the third here. act pretty much puts all the characters in the worst possible position they could be in and then it yes, keeps yes, getting worse I, for like 10 it's, minutes it's fantastic we don't <laughs> have like you would you would expect your stereotypical plot to be okay we have our main protagonist who are yeah our protagonist who was introduced at the very beginning of the film that they are going to be the ones like all of their family is put in, or a majority of their loved ones are put in a risky situation they are put you know their lives are threatened and the protagonist will come in and save them but it, like you said everyone is put in everything's that's at stake, yeah. you know, for all of these characters, and, and we fe- we feel that the audience feels that. And which that's is, why the ending, me, was, like, 
spoiler alert, this animated movie has a happy ending. Uh, that that feels so good when we get to it. Because yeah. we went through yeah. so much. We know the characters went through so much to get there. Yep. And I love that they resisted the... Now, especially, like... I know we have a podcast about the MCU, which is built on building towards the next movie, building towards sequels. But I'm so glad that this movie didn't try to build towards a sequel. Well, to be, I, I think you know? most original animated movies are smart enough not to do that, you know, because it's yeah. so easy to like not make enough to make a sequel. Or in this case, actually, fun fact: this it's not a sequel, uh, but this is considered an unofficial part of the finale of an unofficial trilogy. Because these people made okay. The Secret of Kells, which is about the Book of Kells, which I don't know if you know what that is or not. It's an old Irish book, I believe, that's full of very... I don't know. I don't want to say what, what it is or not, but it's it's an actual historical story, The Secret okay. of Kells. Uh, then they made Song of the Sea, which is about Selkies, which is like a mythical Irish uh, sea creature. And then they made this. Yeah. Uh, and they've said, this is it. We're do- well, this is... They called it the end of our trilogy. Like, we're not doing... Gotcha. Like, they might make more about Ireland, but it won't be considered part of this trilogy. And they yeah. all kind of play with the same idea of imperialism, uh, about how... Uh, what's the word for it? I don't want to say conformity, but, like, how people want you to lose your culture, in a sense. They're, they're good movies. I would recommend you check them out. I think Song of the Sea might be on Netflix. Uh, yeah. I, I, not that big on Secret of Kells, but I think it looks better than Song of the Sea if you want to be wowed. But I think Song of the Sea is a better story. Uh, gotcha. Also, Song of the Sea has a dog named Koo, who is like three times the size of the main character, and I love that. He's like, <laughs> he's like, Koo, get over here! And it's this giant dog. Just <laughs> Koo's great. Uh, yeah. But uh, I want to say one last thing about Wolf Walker, so we can move on, is you... I know you don't mean anything bad by it. I do think to call this a kid's movie is to be a little misnomery. I think this is very much for older kids. I think you have to be at yeah. least 11 or 12 to enjoy this movie. I think it gets way too scary at points. Because it's not afraid to go dark. Yeah. There's guns. Yeah. yeah. There's swords. Like, it is a scare. No, there's crossbows. Excuse me. I don't think there's really guns. There's cannons, but I don't think there's guns. Uh, it's a scary movie. It, that's what makes it so tense, because you can tell immediately it's not pulling punches. Uh, yeah. But it's good. Great movie. I'm glad you liked it. Glad this yeah. one. Are you going to show it to Felicia? If you, if uh, she she watched she watched the second half of it ah, was, of it with me. She like it? Yeah. She got uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she she was also right right up there with me with like about the animation. Yeah. She she said she said I'm more drawn into the animation. I'm more mesmerized by the animation. It's such an than achievement. I, <laughs> than I am with the with the story, which you know is. Say not bashing anything. Yeah, no, story, the animation you know, is but particularly. Beautiful. Yeah, the animation is is spot on. So uh, yeah, we can move on. Let's move on to onto your movie. Um, not uh, one kink, not two kinks, not four kings, three kings. <laughs> so uh, what are what are your uh, general thoughts on this? Uh, okay. So first off, it's weird. It's a it's a weird movie. Uh, it is. I yeah. like it. Ultimately, I ended up giving it four out of five on Letterboxd. Um, I do think there's a 35 minute stretch of it where I was not having it at all, which was really interesting to me. Yeah. And I was glad the movie caught me again. And that's the entire bit when Mark Wahlberg actually isn't with the group. And I know the argument might be, uh, 
well, Danny, that's kind of the point of the movie. And I'll be like, yeah, but the heist portion that's the first half is really entertaining. And then after they save him, like, the stakes are much more important than him. It's they got to yeah. save the refugees. And right. uh, I was way more into that. I also I have a few I have a few notes before like side notes that have nothing to do with the quality of the movie before I really delve into the movie and that's number one uh-huh. HBO Max fix your subtitles I hate them the subtitles kept going off when the movie actually went and I got really mad about it in particular mm. this means that scene where they quiet like the guy quietly talks to Mark Wahlberg about how his children were like his children and wife died. I missed yeah. most of the dialogue, and I would normally turn on the subtitles for that, but the subtitles were not keeping up with the story, so I had to turn them off, and I was just struggling to hear it. And my Dang. TV was at the highest volume. Uh, so HBO Max fixed that. The other thing I want to say, and this is more related to the movie, is I love this trend in the 90s and early, late 90s and early 2000s where fictional movies will give us where are they now postscripts. Unbreakable does it. Legally Blonde does it, and Three Kings does it. I, I want this to... Actually, it's more than I want this to come back. The play I wrote with uh, my friend Sarah, who will be guesting on our podcast next month, uh, right before Black mm-hmm. Widow and Loki, uh, we just finished writing our play, and it ends with something like that. We, we have a where are they now part, even though it's fictional. I wish this was like more of a trend for like... Not necessarily... Like, like not like... Ma Ring. Ma Ring, you shouldn't have it. You know what I mean? Not like a serious yeah. drama. But you're, you're but like, saying for those films that fall in that 90s. Or even, no, even just dramedies. Like dramedies or like. Dramedies. Or like something okay. like Gone Girl, where it's like a dark comedy. It could have a Where Are They Now? Thing. Or like, say, I know yeah. you've been, have you seen Uncut Gems? I forget. I don't think you have. Uh, I haven't, no. So Uncut Gems, uh, it gives a pretty concise ending to how Adam Sandler's character is, but leaves the rest of them vague. I don't need that story, but if the people who made Uncut Gems wanted to put up, like, title cards of Where Are They Now, I would have been totally fine with it. I thought it would, I would think it would be fun. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I like that this movie has that. Um, but I, none of that I, has anything to do with really the movie. You just t- you just talked about n- uh, 90s films getting that, and I th- I was like, well, how about a film that came out in 2018, but isn't is set in the in the 90s captain marvel if they had like a where are they i would have been okay with that but like yeah it yeah i i like that i like that um my favorite thing actually sidebar on the sides discussion is unbreakable have you seen unbreakable the m night movie that's a bruce willis yeah bruce willis m night Shyamalan film yeah yeah i've I've not okay so what's really funny about that movie is it basically the it's kind of like how uh, drew was talking about how racing strike just ends uh basically Uh, the big M. Night twist happens, and Bruce Willis calls the cops on the bad guy. Uh, well, can I spoil it? It's 1999. Uh, yeah. There was yeah, an entire sequel that was built around the twist anyway. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is actually a supervillain, not his mentor. Um, but the ending is Bruce Willis just calls the cops on him. And then you get, where are they now? It's for them all. And it's like, wait, they didn't even fight? Or, like, they didn't even, like, they talked it out, then he's like, oh, I'm calling the cops about this. And that, that's yeah. the ending. And yet, uh, Mr. Glass is now in a uh, penitentiary. Uh, David Dunn has a good, like, it's just, it's like, what? The movie's done? Uh, anyway, Three Kings. Let's talk about Three Kings, though. All right. Um, I think it's really interesting this movie came out before Ocean's Eleven. Because it feels, Clooney's yeah. role seems like such a play on Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Um, I like Mark Wahlberg in this, which is unusual because I usually can't stand him. He does well. In I was role. thinking that I was thinking that the same when I was rewatching it. Yeah. I was like, you know, he actually fits really well into this. Very much unlike 
Transformers 4 <laughs> that we talked about <laughs> on the past, to Transformers 4 on the past podcast past <laughs> podcast episode. Yeah, no, I'm not going to sit here and compare Three Kings to Transformers 4. Uh, but uh what I like about it also yeah. is uh well, no, Ice Cube I don't think has anything to do with it. He's just there. Uh I like I don't know, it's a it's a but I like I like Ice Cube in the sense that he's not just screaming yeah i mean like in uh are we there yet yeah there are there's a lot of um it's a weird movie because it's something where i really can't sing about stuff i liked you know it just was an interesting movie uh, yeah i think the journalism stuff works for the it's juggling a lot uh and i like that about it uh i think russell it's i think it's this is my first early david o russell i've seen i've seen his recent stuff which is more like watered down to try to appeal to Oscar taste. Yeah. Uh, I th- Oh, I remember what I wanted to say. I think it's interesting how there's this subgenre about people looking for gold in the aftermath of war. Because this has it, I believe, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, which is a classic, and The Five Bloods, which you still need to watch at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix, that's, right? Well, that's what this is. The Five Bloods is about, basically, it's basically this, but in Vietnam. But 20 years okay. later. It's like they go back yeah. to Vietnam after 20 years. Gotcha. Uh, but I like that. I think it's a weird thing to have Sahara. Here. The movie Sahara. Is Sahara about it too? Sahara is very much like it. I mean, it's based off... Of, that movie's based off a of Clive Kessler novel. But, uh, no, that movie, they go back and they try to find... Uh, well, I don't know if it's much about the gold, but I know that... No, I think it is about the gold. It is about gold. Yeah, it's about gold from the Civil War. A Civil War ironclad ship goes missing off the coast of uh the sahara of africa i believe uh yeah off the sahara (laughs) desert and it ends up like the uh yeah they end up like finding it it's got a matthew mcconaughey and steve zahn yeah i knew it's a mcconaughey movie i didn't know who else was in it yeah uh but yeah anyway back to three kings um yeah war and gold yeah uh i like the color grading it's really nice I read a lot about yeah. how Russell I, had his typical I, – I know you don't know as much about David O. Russell, but David O. Russell is kind of notorious in Hollywood, even re, in ignoring the recent uh, allegations against him, which yeah. I believe are true, but aren't really relevant to discussing a movie from 1999. Uh, he's always been considered, though, to be an asshole. Like, he yells at his actors in the middles of takes, saying that their mics will pick, won't pick him up, which is true. They don't. Uh, he notoriously, this is actually, actually, I want to make sure I get this right. I can't remember who it is. Uh, it's either Christopher Nolan or Jude Law. Uh, it's a great story. Yeah, okay. So, Christopher Nolan wanted Jude Law and the Prestige. David O. Russell originally was going to have Jude Law and I Heard Huckabees, which Jude Law is in. Jula is in a Howard Huckabee's, which I haven't seen because I haven't seen early old Russell. Um, so David O. Russell went to a party Christopher Nolan was at and put him into a chokehold saying, why are you trying to steal my actor? And <laughs> yeah, that happened. David O. Russell put Nolan in a chokehold. And Christopher Jude, Nolan. Yeah, that's why Jude Law isn't in the prestige. <laughs> and, the, and it ends up being like, isn't it Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale? Yeah, I don't know who Jude Law, Jude Law was supposed to play. I can look that up if you're curious, but I, yeah. Uh, I've never seen The Prestige. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It doesn't really matter. I just, you haven't seen The Prestige. I just know the actors yeah, that are in it. Yeah, The Prestige it. is really good. You should watch that in general. 
I've I've heard it's heard it's, it's my good. favorite Nolan uh, film. Oh, okay. But yeah, uh, that's my that's the old Russell story. Old Russell's kind of notorious around Hollywood, and I had read on the Wikipedia page after Zobers that him and Clooney really got into it during this because Clooney mm. is known to be a really like he's a good he's he's known to be someone who's good to work for in Hollywood. He's very kind to his crew. Uh, yeah, and uh, naturally, David O. Russell is someone who yep, screams at his crew about everything. He doesn't come yeah. in with prepared shot lists. And he got away with it because he turns out his product. He still gets away with it for the most part. Because uh, mm-hmm. as far as I know, Joy, American Hustle, The Fighter, uh, Silver Linings, all of them have that same thing in the production. Uh, and I like Silver Linings. I don't like American Hustle. And I think Joy is underrated. I haven't seen The Fighter. I need to. Uh, but I liked, I, I don't know. I like this movie. I know I haven't really said much about it. But to me, it's yeah. a kind of a harder movie for me to break down. Uh it's well done, I think. Oh, I read something also interesting on Wikipedia that I noticed once I read it, which was that the explosions are only shot once. Mm-hmm. This isn't shot like an action movie. It's just shot like a shot like a David O. Russell movie. In all honesty, uh, I think it's also really. I, I like watching this on. I want to look up more of his older movies, even though he's yeah. a bad person, because uh, I think his directing is interesting. Uh, what do you want to talk to me about, or what do you want to ask me about? Um. I I wanted to ask you about the uh, the visual distortion, it's especially there's a scene where they are in. Uh... Are you talking about the weird slow mo? Yeah. Okay, I'll be totally what do you honest. Think with about you? that. Well, sometimes my Wi-Fi goes down at my house, so I literally <laughs> closed HBO Max and reopened it, and I was like, "Oh, I guess this is part of the movie." Yeah. Uh, if it was in a movie today, I would hate it. In 1999, yeah. I don't mind it, because you need to remember slow-mo, it, it was around, but it wasn't really solid. I also can tell that this is meant to be disorienting, so it's okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, to, like, I, watching it, I took it as the, uh, each, I'm like, each shot, um, we noticed that only, like, it starts out only one bullet is fired, and takes a person's life or, you know, hits hits somebody. And it's like, it just takes one, it just took one bullet for that person to die. And then we end up building up to someone who shoots a machine gun. And it may have been Spike Jones who shoots a, a yeah, machine gun. And then it's like, it's like, okay, if just one bullet was all it took and he shot like six into a guy, you know? And like, it just, it's the, it's more of like, the impact of this is a movie that I imagine how fast how fast a life you know can go uh, I, can be taken I think away. This is a movie I'll and, definitely appreciate more on rewatch. It's kind of like yeah. Uh, on my on my other podcast, I was talking about the movie Morocco, where I was like, yeah, I I like Three Kings a lot more than Morocco to be clear. But with Morocco, gotcha. I was like, you know, I'm not really big into this, but I recognize that this is a well-made movie. I wish I could see it at the music box. That's how I feel about Three Kings as well. I feel like this mm-hmm. is a movie that I've, I saw it in a theater with the sound design. And even the, that's the thing. It's like if you ever moved to Chicago, I think you, and if you are like you, you aren't like me. But in my opinion, since moving to Chicago, I've come to the realization that even watching older movies in a theater is what I prefer to do. Because uh, yeah. the music box shows so much and the Gene Siskel Center shows so much repertory stuff. Uh, yeah. And the point where, like, I could see them doing, like, a war series, a series of war movies and showing Three Kings. And if they did that, I'd be like, yeah, I want to see Three Kings. I think that'd be great to see on the big screen. And I think I'd mm-hmm. be way more into it. Um, 
And I, it would be something I try to seek out because my basic take was like, yeah, I think this is an eight out of ten, but I think it could be better if I enjoy, watch it again and give it really a ton of attention because there's a lot of interesting yeah. stuff going on in here. And also, if I can hear the Mark Wahlberg scene that seems really important, I might like it more too. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Not that 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 didn't hurt my move, my opinion on the movie too much. Um, the, I, uh, it's got a lot of interesting ideas though, and I unlike yeah. the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think it has the ability to address them all or at least yeah. touch on them and yeah it touches on them in a knowing sense that's like we can't answer this question because this question is not answered yeah and yeah like yeah and you you talk about uh falcon and winter soldier and i this i thought of this film because of the of bucky when uh when we were covering falcon and winter soldier and bucky was going through his therapy and he was more of he was like atoning for the dip, for uh, past Winter Soldier stuff, and also he he says uh, says something about like I just feel like I've been drugged from one battle to the next, and it's kind of a like why did any of this happen? Why was I you know and and yeah and like this movie was so much of why were we even here why this movie, yeah I like, this this movie we this need movie's to tell bigger our than that. this movie's yeah about... we need to tell our listeners that like this movie is set immediately following the gulf war yeah and yeah. i read that they were attempting a re-release in time for the 2004 re-election around the time yeah. of the iraq war because it was relevant again and yeah. i think that's what makes this movie interesting to me is that this movie, I haven't seen Treasure Sierra Madre, but this movie and The Five Bloods to me will always be relevant because the American military complex is a machine that is, is me getting very political, but this is a political movie, so uh, it's a machine designed to not stop. Yeah. Uh, we, we're, whenever we have a war done with, we have to find somewhere else to occupy because we have to find somewhere to put our troops, uh, even if there's no reason for them to be there. Uh, and although I'll be the first person to admit I don't know anything about the Persian Gulf War, uh, I think this movie still addresses it as more. I don't think I need to know about the Persian Gulf War to appreciate what the, this movie's the, trying well, to say. This just, is more. Like, it's more like a. It. It's the most recent war that happened, so that's what this movie's yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, and just just to preface that is that a lot of stuff surrounding the the uh, Gulf War was very similar to the U.S.'s involvement in Vietnam. During the Vietnam War. Well, yeah, I caught that because yeah. like, they were like, "This is like Vietnam too." They were saying, "Yeah, they were like, this is this is Vietnam of the of the nineties." Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, and I th- I thought that like really just just the over overall each of the characters go through this like, "Why am I here? What you know? Why are we? Why are we here?" Um, yeah, and that and that's kind of a even if. Whether or not we're talking about war, or you know, um, this why are we here? This it's our pr- purpose, which also relates back to soul. You know, soul. Um, talking Sal. about that, Sal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, this why are we here? What is the purpose of this? Like all humans can relate to that on some level. And I think that's where the the movie really thrives. Yeah, really thrives. I, at. I would yeah. agree. Uh, I think it's a it's a very it's one of the, it's a number one of those movies where like as I was saying this, that was a thirty five minute stretch. I wasn't into it, but when the end came around, I was like, oh, all right. Now 
now that I know where this is going, I think I would like it more overall. I yeah. think it's a very smart movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very flashy movie at points, too. It does a lot of things that normally would annoy me, but uh, one, I give it cut a little slack because it's 1999. Uh, it's not the best 1999. I think there's a... Well, this isn't my opinion. This is a lot of people's opinion. A lot of people think 1999 is one of the greatest years for film ever. Mm. I have to say I can't really disagree off the... 19, like, off the top of my head, has this movie... It has uh, The Matrix. It has Magnolia, which is brilliant. Uh, I watched Magnolia for the first time ever in January this year, and it was it's a brilliant movie. Mm. Uh, I don't think I'll ever give it to you, though. It's three hours long, and it is... It's I don't even know what to say it's about. It's just kind of about like why we're sad and why sadness is a cycle that we'll never get out of. It's really mm. it's really a doozy. Uh, and it's, it's really heavy. It's really heavy. I really like yeah. it though. Uh, and a lot of people really, and it's fu- it's fu- it's got funny. It's Paul Thomas Anderson, so it's got funny moments. Uh, mm. And I probably the people who are listening to this are probably just saying you just totally undersold. If they've seen Magnolia, they'll be like you totally undersold Magnolia. And I'll be like, yeah, I did, but this, we're talking about Three Kinks, so it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, does this get uh, what awards does this get? Let me look that up on IMDb. I'm really curious. Yeah, I'm sure this. I'm sure this was nominated for like sound design at least because it's a war movie. War movies usually get in for that. But unless, yeah, I also, and this was con- I also thought- this was liked by contemporaries. I was thinking this might be a cult classic, but I saw that this was a well liked movie at the uh, time. I I thought that uh, this it's got this no film Oscar did a wow. did a really good job with its visual, like the the effect of when you see the bullet go through enter. The stomach, and they did that bile. So gross. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, it, it's gross. But I'm like, that's really, that's really cool. We don't really, you know, get to see, see, see that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought I'm that was. I'm shocked this didn't get. Granted, 1999 was such a uh, year, as I said. Was I'm it shocked stacked? this didn't get any Oscar noms. Uh, that said, uh, my, uh, my quick take in 1999 is as great as it is. American Beauty is a bad movie, and it won Best Picture. Best, it was the most popular movie that year. It is not a good movie. Oh, The Insider was also that year. The Insider's great too. Uh, and the Sixth six Sense. Sorry, I just opened mm, this. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. This is something else on the Wikipedia page. Is that Spike Jones? I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be his master. Well, not a masterpiece, but most Spike Jones movies are considered to be great. Lindsay directed. He went from doing his debut of being John Malkovich to uh shooting this movie like and acting in it so yeah that's pretty pretty crazy to me too yeah i yeah i i wanted to talk about uh characters and how like a lot of the characters in this film are they're you could say that they're they're very much just character types but they're to me they're character types both casted and played right um and that's that's more of like uh, you talked about how Clooney is very much just the he's the well it's the older it's interesting because this is when he's on ER this is before Clooney was and also yeah. it's right after I think he did Batman and Robin uh, mm, which was a very unpopular yeah film so this was him. a I'd be curious to look at Clooney I'm curious if this was Clooney's big first big hit critically now and now, yeah. I'm, now I'm looking it up because I'm curious because uh, I, I, I think Clooney's great. I, I love George Clooney movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have an opinion in general about uh, directors. Uh, well, Clooney, Damon, and Affleck, I think they're all a little underrated nowadays. I don't think they'll ever win an Oscar in this day and age because they are uh, 
they're they're movie stars and nowadays movie star awards yeah. don't win oscars uh i think matt damon should have won for the the martian that's always been my take uh mm. i think he's very good in the martian uh why can't i find this oh no his first big film was out of sight then he did this out of sight was gotcha. in 1998 and then he did this uh afterwards so yeah he did from dust to dawn then batman and robin out of sight and then three kinks so gotcha okay uh, and then Spy Kids and Ocean's, uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven. Spy Kids, a classic. Yeah, he had a pretty good in two thousand. He he had a good run. He still he still has a good he run. He just Spy doesn't Kids. really act as much as he did before. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the last thing that I saw him in was uh, that uh, one season Hulu show. Oh, I uh, forgot Catch Twenty Two. He directed that too. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I I really enjoy. I actually really uh, enjoyed that show, and then it was like they're like, yeah, it's not been renewed. Uh, well, I thought it was supposed to be a limited series, wasn't it? Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know. I I thought it says many series on Wikipedia. Uh, well, maybe I it thought, wasn't intended I, to be one though. Yeah, I th- I think what I I think what was it was supposed to be like season one, and then we were supposed to get more seasons, and then they changed the. The titling to say miniseries. But I, I saw again, his recent. Uh, I, I saw it. his recent directing movie that came out last year that was Oscar nominated for visual effects, and I was not a fan at all. Mm. Uh, it's called The Midnight Sky. It's on Netflix. Don't recommend it at all. I did. Oh yeah, yeah. It was I, not good. Uh, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Three Kings. It's it's a good movie. I feel bad. I feel like I haven't talked about it as much as you talked about Wolf Walkers. Well, and I, but you kind of you kind of put it. You've got to watch to really um, to get an appreciation for it. Yeah. Which is kind of, I feel stupid for us to say. Well, no, on, it, I, on I think podcast, the ending is what one, makes it all come together. That's really what, yeah. the ending makes it yeah. all come together. So there were points where I was like, why did Tyler give this to me? And then at the end I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, this is a good movie. Uh, not It's not a great movie to me, but it is a good movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd be curious if I rewatched it in a theater, if it'd become a great movie. Because uh, I can yeah. see it happening. And there, there's a lot of moral dilemma throughout throughout and the film. The thing is with stuff like um, Clooney is so good at this for playing like a character that's like kind of morally apprehensible, but we want to like him. That's yeah. like Clooney's a uh, character type, uh, and it really works well for this movie. And that's what makes it. I think nowadays it'd be very weird to cast Mark Wahlberg in the role he's in in this film, because uh, yeah. he's usually the tough guy, and this one he's kind of the wimpy one of the group. Yeah, which I think he actually plays. Yeah, he does a good job. Better. I don't. Better I don't like Mark film, Wahlberg yeah. as a person. I think he's a bad human being. Uh, I don't like David O. Russell either. But they both did a good job here. I'll, I'll credit where credits do. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Spike Spike Jones was. Yeah, was, uh, but I'll be completely too. honest with you. He's good in this. I'm yeah. glad he isn't an actor regularly though. I like his directing stuff more. I want yeah. to make another movie. He yeah. hasn't made a movie, uh, a narrative film for like I think. Oh my gosh, it's coming on eight years this year. That's crazy. He needs to make another movie. Um, but yeah. All right. I think yeah. that's our green room episode. I think yeah, I think that yeah. wraps everything up. All right. All, All right. right. Uh, be sure to catch us on our next. Well, make make sure you watch uh, our listen to our episode. Thor episode if you missed it too. Yeah. Uh, Yep, this will, we some, referenced uh, a bunch of it in it, so you really should have listened to it first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, but next week we're talking about X-Men First Class. Uh, it will be a much shorter time, because it will just be me and Tyler, 
and yes. we don't have a guest. X Men First Class. But we loved having not Drew, the last stand. Yeah. Anyway, We're doing the first class. Peace out, guys. It's late. I'm Play sorry. my theme song again. You don't have to if you don't want to. All right. This is our. Yeah. This is that's our play out for the green room special. <laughs> that's, that's such a bad right. play out. Bye. All right. Bye.